0: Welcome to episode three of Cyclops is Waiting for Me and X-Men, the animated series weekly recap podcast. I am JC and I am cracking open a white claw in celebration of the theme of
1: today's episode. Oh, (laughs) and I'm Rod Kim. You can find me and my cat on TikTok where I'm known as Squirrel Cat Guy.
0: I'm only hearing about this right now and I've never been more disappointed in
1: you. (laughs) There is a semi-viral TikTok of my cat getting barked at by a squirrel and I had been booked for a couple podcasts, I assumed on my songwriting stuff. No? Or at the very least, my YouTube stuff. And then I didn't know until the end of the episode. They're like, OK, Squirrel Cat Guy, thanks for coming on. And I realized, oh, they booked me because of my cat.
0: Let's keep going with the
1: intro. Yeah. <laughs> Cyclops is Waiting for Me is our weekly podcast series, where we are going back and watching every single episode of the original 1992 X-Men, the animated series in their original intended script order, building up to the release of X-Men 97, coming to Disney Plus in 2023.
0: We got some typical rigmarole here with some reminders for you. We are a recap show about a series that came out 30 years ago so there are going to be spoilers the entirety of the show will be spoilers if you for some reason don't want it spoiled for you Pause the podcast, pull out your DVDs, go to Disney+, Plus. do whatever you want to, watch the episode, and then come back. What we do promise to do is to avoid mentioning anything about future episodes of the show, just in case you're watching it in real time with us, which props to you if you're doing that. But we're going to talk about what happened in the episode. And just for transparency, we are not sponsored by or affiliated with Disney or Disney Plus in any way, shape, or form, because I'm still paying for my subscription.
1: That's how we know we made it. We get get the comp.
0: Yeah. Yeah, the one comp that's between the two, <laughs> two of, us.
1: of us yeah we have to share a family account don't forget to follow us on social media at cyclops Pod on twitter instagram and facebook and of course make sure to follow us on all your favorite podcast services and finally we record these episodes in batches right now so if we're reacting to any news about the upcoming series it's probably a few weeks behind we're still working on that telling the future power thing we we're supposed to insert a joke here i'm not very good at that
0: no no you're you're <laughs> crushing it you are nailing it so on to the show. Today, we are going to be talking about episode four, still in season one, obviously. And the title of the episode is called Deadly Reunions. Interestingly enough, Deadly Reunions is part two of a story because our previous episode, Enter Magneto, ended with a to be continued, but they have different names for the episodes mm-hmm. and there isn't a part one, part two. It's acknowledged
1: in Eric Lewald's book that it is a part two. So. Yeah, because we're following the aftermath of getting Sabretooth into the. X Mansion and everything. Yep. So, episode kicks off, and
0: it's very appropriate. I'm wearing a Deadpool shirt <laughs> right now, but the episode kicks off, and this is actually the first time we see animated Deadpool anywhere ever. And it is in Sabretooth's mind, and Professor X is examining in there, and you see six characters. You see Deadpool and Wolverine together, you see Maverick. And then depending on if you're reading comics or watching the animated series, the character Shiva slash Talos is shown. That's the weird robot with the spiky head thingy. You see a unnamed blonde woman who... In the research of prepping for the show, I've seen some theory that it is a personality of mystique, but it was actually really hard to find anywhere that gave any sort of official confirmation, and then Omega Red. So while we know who most of these people are, the only one that we actually know of by name in canon of the series is Wolverine. And you see in the I don't think it would even it's not considered the astral plane because that's a whole other separate thing. But in Sabretooth's mind, you see him and Xavier kind of spiritually combined.
1: Yeah, or mentally mentally
0: combined, yeah.
1: It was like the psychedelic representation of like Professor X's like version of therapy. Yeah almost yeah and then when they combined it was really weird it was basically like professor x with like mutton chops yep yeah he had, <laughs> he had like
0: spiky mutton chops it wasn't even full of mutton chops they like they had like the the like point at the end of them and there were these like obscure demons and then one of the demons obviously was supposed to represent wolverine you had the color you had the fact that it looked a little bit like a rabid wolverine demon and such he had the
1: cow and the claws and stuff. yeah i i love that i made a note about that point i was like i love how professor x's dialogue was like what are you hiding? I was like, that is clearly Wolverine because he's not yeah. hiding anything. <laughs> yeah, that, that one isn't very well-headed. But he has this big box in the middle
0: uh, that Professor X cannot get into the mental form of Tooth jumps in there and is like hiding and Professor X assumes that this is trauma and throughout the course of the episode we find out it may be trauma but it also may have been some other secrets in there. The thing that stood out to me early in this episode is there is the first mention of the phrase homo superior and looking into some of the the research on it, that was one of Stan Lee's notes that he had given that he wanted inserted into the script and Eric had a lot of conflict with Stan because Stan had a lot of legacy ideas about what an X-Men show should be, and it didn't feel like a modern show. Eric acknowledges this is probably one of the last notes that Stan had given him that he actually put into The script and Eric to this day doesn't like it. And it's just really weird to me because this was such an early introduction to the X Men for me. But calling mutants Homo Superior is just a part of their identity to me. Mm -hmm. So Eric is so against that phrase, at least at the time that he wrote his book a few years ago, versus right now, if you're reading anything X-Men related, like homo superior as
1: a phrase is just embraced. Yeah, yeah. It's a very common word. It's funny. I think it was the show or maybe the comics, but probably the show that me and my brother just assumed it was like a regular word like in the real world. Got in trouble a few times in school with that one. Uh, Yeah. I mean,
0: it obviously makes sense if you're looking at it from how species are are designated with Homo sapien and Homo superior. It sounds like it could be something that's a part of it, but I'm sure a teacher who doesn't understand what Homo superior means could definitely see it as being (laughs) something on the negative side. We also start to get a little more of the interaction between Sabretooth and Professor X here and one of the other Characters. I forgot who. I didn't write it down. So I'm horrible at notes, but not as bad as Rod is, yeah. you know, basically asked why Wolverine does not like Sabretooth, not to the point of not even liking him, but like wanted him to get killed in the courtroom scene. It sounds like something Jubilee would ask. It might have been. Uh, yeah. yeah. And he basically said, yeah, we used to be pals and we worked together until he wasted some friends of mine. And again, this yeah. is our third episode in a row for the series that has acknowledged death in some way, shape, or form. Because you don't say wasted as in, oh, they beat them up they were wasted yeah. and it's like no you offed somebody yeah. to get
1: to that because point because Wolverine was like willing to kill him earlier so you just kind of assumed that, that those were the stakes yep and it, it also introduces this kind of like dichotomy of like Professor X and Magneto's rivalry and then Wolverine and Saber 2's rivalry and then you know Wolverine obviously like addresses that a little bit yep later
0: yeah. Oh yeah, there's a great line, so uh, I won't jump ahead to the line, but basically we see Magneto is going to do his follow-up on the attack from the military base, and he decides to attack Metro Chemicals, which, holy generic
1: 90s name. It I was, was wondering if that was a reference to something.
0: If it was, I couldn't find it, but it just is the most generic name (laughs) to not piss off anybody and is super obscure and basically uses the humans there as bait because he knows he's back on Professor X's radar and he knows that Charles has a love for humanity. So if he publicly makes this attack, that Charles is going to come to the rescue with the team. Mm -hmm. And again, it was just really hilarious to me that it's like Metro Chemicals. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Before we move on too much further, there was a funny line in there that I saw as like, I only realized later when I was older that like Professor X when he was in Sabretooth's mind he's like I'm trying to penetrate the recesses of his mind and then Wolverine's like I'll penetrate his recesses <laughs> yeah that's one of those phrases
0: that 30 <laughs> years later could definitely be interpreted in a in a different manner
1: it's like they just make out get it out of the way <laughs> yeah. yeah it's the most violent animalistic
0: makeout make out session ever but we also see that Wolverine and Professor X have their continued conflict about what to do with Sabretooth Wolverine obviously does not trust him him because of their past together, and then is horribly offended by Charles when he says, well, we're going to go and stop Magneto and fight him to save these people. But when Wolverine points out what is wrong with one of his former comrades turned adversaries, it's, well, wait we're supposed to drop everything and go fight your guy right now Mm -hmm. but when it was mine I'm told to like kick rocks like definitely paraphrasing but he definitely takes it personal
1: yeah he's like we have to go yeah take care of of, of your old buddy, but like we have to forgive mine or give him a second chance or whatever. And it's like, you know what, Wolverine? Valid, valid argument. Yeah. Like <laughs> so far, at least.
0: The X-Men head off to Metro. You have Professor X who's there alongside Cyclops, Rogue, and Storm. And then everybody else stays behind at the mansion. Professor X doesn't initially go
1: in on the attack, right?
0: Right. So Cyclops probably optic blasting through the wall mm-hmm. and then Storm and Rogue go in there. In Kind of get their asses kicked a little
1: bit. I thought it was interesting too that they added this little tidbit of Magneto. It was—I know it was supposed to be like a joke, but I, I feel like it was a little bit of a plot line where he's like, "I wonder how you look like after all these years. Perhaps a toupee." And yeah, it brought up the question to me: is like, how long has it been since they've seen each other? I mean, I, it has to it at seemed least like decades. It has to at least be at minimum
0: a decade. I think yeah. that's that's a fair assumption because Magneto still had white hair. In mm-hmm. the flashback. So, I mean, granted, he could have been somebody who always had white yeah, hair. Yeah.
1: And Xavier was already bald. Right. But... But he could walk.
0: But he could walk at the time. Yeah. yeah. He didn't know about the students in the school. I don't think there's any assumption that the school has only been there for like three months or six months or yeah. anything like that. I would I would say a decade is, is fair. In the previous episode, we mentioned Magneto is described as getting this legion of followers. You don't get a legion in an, a few
1: weeks. Yeah. Yeah. You know? yeah or he was like bluffing a little bit working on it because like you said before like we only see him alone
0: yep (laughs) one thing that i thought was really interesting in the scene in metro is that people are getting like poisonous gas around them and are choking and falling and stuff like that so even though they're not really acknowledging that they're dead it's a high body count
1: there are definitely people dying yeah (laughs) yeah so in this fight scene with magneto and metro chemical storm has kind of like a flashback moment a brick wall starting to fall over her and she's storm we've established that she can like summon a tornado or lightning or whatever magical powers you know or like MacGuffin that can happen at that time Yep. but she just freezes and She gets hit by like a falling wall of bricks, literally. One of my like- With Rogue under there with her though, that part helped. Rogue got under it too. Yeah, well, she stopped it initially, but then, yeah, so to stop the momentum. Yeah. But then it fell over. And then that was like one of my like, I don't know if it was supposed to be funny, but Rogue kind of says like, come on, those bricks weren't that heavy. And I was like, bricks, Rogue? Like not everybody It's still bricks, yeah. Not everybody is you. We we haven't established that like Storm is invincible or anything like- Yeah. (laughs) In this fight- I don't know if I'm skipping ahead too far, but Rogue is the only one that's conscious. Right. So Cyclops got
0: knocked out because Magneto opened one of the vats that had poison in it and that knocks out Cyclops. Rogue Cures poison by giving him CPR. But the unfortunate aspect of Rogue giving Cyclops CPR is she absorbs his optic blast powers. Yeah. Also, we've established very little up until this point what the relationship between Gene and Scott is. Mm-hmm. Rogue actually is the first one to give a true hint of it because she's basically like, Well, I hope Gene doesn't get jealous or something yeah. along oh. the Or I hope Gene understands. I
1: remember she's, she says, Don't worry, I won't tell Gene. Yeah. Which it is really interesting. I, I never thought thought about in that perspective like she cures poison with cpr
0: <laughs> i mean he was knocked out he wasn't yeah. knocked out because oxygen being depleted it was because he breathed in something that was poisonous
1: yeah that's uh, just pretty funny and then is that when and professor, professor x, x comes in so this is where i had a big question and maybe they just hadn't decided that this was the helmet the logic yes i knew that the i knew helmet. that was gonna get brought up so the helmet's supposed to protect magneto from professor xavier's mind stuff right yes And we're both horrible because neither one of us looked up when that started, okay? (laughs) I just remember over the course of the show, it being a thing, I thought, but I don't also don't know. I guess that's something we'll find out in this podcast is like, oh, this is the episode that that happened. By by the time
0: we got to the movies, that was very clearly a thing. Mm -hmm. And maybe it's just from having read the books and watched all the movies, despite hating half of them. Like that was the thing. That was how Magnus could prevent Xavier from seeing into his mind. Yeah. And manipulating him. And it was the same with Juggernaut too, right? Juggernaut had extra stuff because there's magical power in Juggernaut's thing. But yeah, yeah I the helmet—the helmet, the helmet was, was prevents the, the entry. Yeah,
1: which is another interesting like logic. I don't know if we ever get explained to. It's just like, a, oh, this is made of unobtainium to protect his mind. You know. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> or whatever spice, or whatever this thing is in this universe, you know. Yeah, there's the whole thing with Superman, where
0: in certain versions of Superman, lead is what lets him not use his X-ray vision because his oh, yeah. X-ray vision is a copycat yeah. of
1: real-world X-ray technology. Yeah, like, like radiation and stuff. Yeah, when Professor X gets into his mind as a kid, I just thought that is like, oh, he froze him because he put bad memories in his head. Now as an adult looking back at there. I was like, that's probably one of the most traumatic things you could do somebody. He like took him all the way back to what we you know are only told is like some vague. War. War, but like yeah most of us kind of assume it was the holocaust yeah. you know the situation and stuff so like you made him relive that
0: yeah he made him relive one of the most painful moments of his life that probably led to his decision to take the dark path
1: yeah and that now watching when i'm a little bit older it's like kind of makes me question like the ethics of charles xavier a little bit I know he's yeah. trying to stop he's trying to save people's lives. it seems like it's not an overreaction necessarily, but like uh you could have pulled back a little bit. You know, like Yeah. He's
0: he's pulling out a howitzer to to take on, you know, a, a bee. Yeah. Know? Yeah. No, and that and that is one of the things that definitely got explored further in the comic books, is the questionable morality of what Xavier is able to do with his mental capabilities. He can make people forget stuff. And it's one thing if you ask somebody their consent, like Please pull this out of me because it is ruining my life. Mm -hmm. It's a whole other thing to go in there and implant something or remove something because you're protecting the greater goal. And Xavier continues to move into more of those gray areas, especially in the modern version of the X-Men comics. And then
1: I saw, and this probably wasn't intentional, but I saw like the kind of the early blueprints of Thanos and Magneto, or at least that idea that what we're supposed to see is the bad guy or the villain has some like noble intentions. Because something about what, I forget what it was exactly said in that fight, but basically that he was just like, I'm just trying to protect, like, our kind, yeah. you know, and stuff. And I was like, you know, there's part of like, your argument that's, like, not too far off. <laughs> <Yep. laughs> oh, you know what it was? It was probably something to the effect of him being like, look at how they attack us. And, they, they you know, we'll never be safe. Yeah. So it's like, okay, so we're, we're priming this 10-year-old for, like, when 30-something-year-old Rod is going to see, like, endgame. <laughs> Like, we're like, oh, you know what? This is not all bad.
0: At that point, once Xavier has gotten into Magneto's head, Magneto decides to retreat and it kind of ends the conflict that's going on at the chemical plant. We see a shot of Senator Kelly referencing some of the previous attacks. He references the attack that just happened at the chemical plant, and he decides to use that point to declare his bid for presidency. And this was one of the ones that really, really jumped out because they start throwing out some really loaded phrases. He talks about relocation for mutants and actually talks about internment. Camps, and it was like, Oh wow, they're going heavy with this. Like, they're not being subtle with their comparisons and allegories. Like, they're just straight up saying, We are putting these people into camps right now. Yeah, and
1: that probably is additional justification for Magneto. Because he's like, I've seen this before. Yeah, I think in
0: the show, because they don't acknowledge the Holocaust, I think it's more to hit
1: us as the viewer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I mean, even if you take out- He well, still could this, have grown up and seen- Some sort what, of war-torn- Exactly. Yeah, like internment situation or some sort of version of that. So it rings familiar to Magneto, but Professor Xavier, this might just be kind of a concept that he didn't live through necessarily before. So he sees hope in it. Yep. Or Magneto's like, well, I know where this path goes, you know, so we have to cut this off.
0: Then we jump back to the mansion and Sabretooth basically manipulates Jubilee. Wolverine was right. Here's the thing. If this guy is so violent and Professor X sees the violence in his head, how does he decide that letting the 13-year-old watch him is the right plan?
1: Yeah. I thought this both at the rewatch and as a kid that she was probably like the one that, well, if we're going to leave anybody home, it's going to be her because we're not going to take her on the battlefield. But... I don't know. I, I guess I'm not like a war strategy person or something. I don't know what the terminology is. Like he's a
0: strategist.
1: Yeah, but yeah. at the same time, he reveals there that that was Magneto's plan all along, was a kind of divide and conquer. Yep. Like he's going to attack the planet, but he's going to put somebody inside. Because of how the episode started with Professor Xavier being in his mind, and I guess we saw that locked box. So that's what he was withholding. Was it on purpose to show like how much willpower Sabretooth had to not reveal that subconsciously to Professor Xavier? Because that's insane.
0: I think so. Well, I think that Professor X, while powerful, if you have somebody who is trained to resist some form of psychic attack... Mm -hmm they're like, I'm going to reveal 99% of stuff to you, but I'm going to be so strong about this 1%. And that was his 1%. And
1: that makes me wonder if Magneto had been anticipating Xavier's tampering or whatever, like involvement down the road, if he had like kind of trained his quote unquote legions, whatever to like withstand that, or at least certain people or whatever, or if this was just part of Saber 2's character.
0: You know, from their initial encounter with each other, that was the way that Xavier stopped him from killing those soldiers when Mm -hmm. they had their conflict years yeah. ago so he knew that was one of charles's powers so he knew he had to be ready and whoever was going to be this inside man he probably had some way of testing like i have probably a mutant psychic of my own who's the one they have the hardest time breaking and it was probably Sabretooth. Mm-hmm. and then maybe it's because he's such an animal it's not the mind of somebody who is on the
1: human side of the spectrum mm-hmm. you know i forget if Sabretooth has like a military background or anything but like he at least has that association with logan and wolverine right where he was a government project and stuff so it's a little bit more plausible, like there was some training going on even before the whole mutant thing.
0: Yeah, and in the comics, the equivalent to that is the Weapon X program. And some of the members of Weapon X were those ones that I mentioned earlier. You know, Wolverine, Maverick, Sabretooth, Deadpool. Technically, they're the Weapon Plus program. I'm not familiar with that. (laughs) Well, in the comics, the Super Soldier serum is actually a part of the Weapon
1: Plus program.
0: And it's not X as in X-Men, it's X as in 10. Gotcha. So Wolverine was the 10th
1: Weapon Plus program. They worked in that serendipity. And then there's
0: like the whole Department H and all that other stuff, which I'm sure we're going to get into at some point in the near future. Wolverine jumps in and is able to save Jubilee because Sabretooth is basically like, let me out and I'm going to let you live. And then he decides he's going to kill her. Wolverine gets in in the way. They fight. There's a great phrase. You always were second best. And I really thought they were going to get into I'm the best at what I do, which is the typical Wolverine phrase. And they didn't end up going down that route. Maybe just at that time was not as iconic. There's a cheap shot that Sabretooth is able to get on Wolverine, which is actually the only time that the Stan standards board allowed them to show blood and he's not bleeding out but you do see red from the slashing across his stomach that's interesting because
1: i I remember noticing because of what we know about wolverine we're like oh he's such a badass he's strong It always struck me even as a kid and now like whatever happened to him warranted him being almost unconscious and having me taken to like the medical ward yeah that it it, was like
0: it it looked like he got scraped knowing what we know about his power set in the comics to the point where he has literally been burned down to a single cell over his adamantium bone structure and still being able to regenerate right he got taken out really really like extreme for yeah.
1: like three claws across the stomach yeah because that, that kind of went down like a rabbit hole I was like so were we, was that supposed to imply that like they he got his like internal organs like he cut his like intestines in half or something you know like even
0: then it still seemed <laughs> you're right yeah it, because it wasn't bleeding out
1: you just yeah. saw the red <laughs> and yeah. then saber tooth pulls like a reverse kool-aid man and just jets outside <laughs>
0: Was this the episode where, yeah, he jumps outside through the hole in the wall? And it was like, why is the war room not in the center of the building? It was at the
1: edge of the building. Yeah, it's like Simpsons plot device. Like, we need need him to get out.
0: Yeah, it was was a really weird thing because, and again, maybe the movies and and comics have influenced it so much, but I didn't picture the war room on the main floor. I figured that was where, like, the dorm rooms were and everything
1: else is underground and stuff. Yeah, I, I don't know if I pictured it underground, but that would make sense. I definitely pictured it, like, central yeah because I, I don't it was just like subliminally in my mind it was like when they said everybody to the war room is like people who come from all directions yeah not like single file from like one end of the hall
0: yeah it's not in the back western corner of the house
1: <laughs> it cuts to or at some point a little bit later on it cuts to professor xavier kind of like lamenting uh, i forget where but he's talking with storm and this is a little bit of a follow-up to an earlier episode where jubilee said something like this is a place where weirdos like me and storm's like like all of us storm does it again so professor xavier is like confiding in storm he's like i failed and then storm without missing a beat is like we failed together professor <laughs> no she's like we failed professor together and i was like storm it's comes with these zingers.
0: So I think Storm, the way she's written, is unintentionally funny
1: with yeah. moments like this. I could totally see that. I just love that she's always, she's like Homer in the Simpsons movie. Remember when like Bart is like naked and tied up against like the flagpole? And I
0: don't remember anything from that movie, to so be totally
1: the, honest. But there's a meme that came from it where Bart's tied up to like a flagpole and he's like, this is the worst day of my life. And then like Homer's like, the worst day of your life so far. Yeah. That's the energy I'm getting from Storm so far. Like the first like few episodes is Jubilee's like, this is a place where weirdos she's like for all of us and and then professor is like i failed he's like we failed it's like she's
0: trying to be helpful but she ends up just rubbing more salt into the room she's (laughs) like
1: no you're not just a loser you've also gathered all the losers together and we (laughs) learned how to be losers from you i love that i I thought that was like a unintentionally perfect funny ending (laughs) the
0: episode i do remember this story in particular because when they released the companion comic book which a lot of the early issues were one-to-one recreations of the tv episodes okay this was one that stood out to me was this particular episode because it had the fight between wolverine and Sabretooth within it any other closing thoughts on this part two not called a part two right. episode
1: <laughs> i can't think of anything else like I, I it was it was mainly the storm came back with another zinger that was almost like a format from the previous one that was like oh
0: Culp Storm and her her motivational <laughs> speeches all right well I think that is it for this week thank you for joining us if you have any thoughts make sure to drop in the comments of either the YouTube upload of this or the official Instagram post for this episode if you like what you heard we appreciate any rating on any of the podcast apps or on every one of the podcast apps yeah we need to figure out an
1: outro Rob. We-, we have to memorize one of like Storm's like monologues she gives before she summons lightning or something
0: you could do that <laughs>